So we've talked a lot about multitasking just sort of in, in the last few episodes. I don't think we've ever really dove into the weeds on multitasking. But the thought process is we live in a world where multitasking is such a thing. Yes. You know, we've, we're watching television and we're on Facebook. Or we're, or we're, not a thing. It is it's, not a thing. And that's what I'm getting at. Right. Our brains are not meant to do two things at once. They're designed to do one thing effectively well. To that, I mean, we can do two non-meaningful tasks at the same time, right? Like you said in a couple episodes back, chewing gum and walking, that's two things we can do at once. But anything that takes our brain power and our energy, uh, we're not going to be effective if we're doing two things at once. So one thing that is interesting is any time that we send an email or we receive an email, text message, Twitter feed, that we, we send that stuff out, we get a, a just a little hit of dopamine in our brains. And so that is, that's sort of the, the reward serum in our brains for, hey, you've done a good thing. You've done a good task. And this article says that that creates a feedback loop of, you know, I'm doing good work when I'm sending four or five emails at a time, or I'm sending out a, a few tweets or uh, maybe a, a couple rapid fire text messages. Problem with that, the idea here is we're not actually doing anything critical. Not, nothing's critical thinking. And it tricks our brain and to think that we're doing a ton, but what's actually happening is it's increasing our stress level. We're not getting any meaningful tasks done. And in the meantime, our stress level is increasing. Yeah, well, just on the alcohol thing, I was never an alcoholic. I was just a, a good, solid social drinker. You know, I grew up in Australia where the drinking culture is very much accepted there. And in 2010, I just realized I'd put on about 25, 30 pounds. I was feeling tired and lethargic all the time. And I kind of realized it was because I was, you know, knocking back a couple beers, you know, midweek and maybe drinking a few more wines during the weekend. And it was just slowing me down. And so I, I took a 30-day challenge just to see how I would feel of not drinking. And at the end of 30 days, I'd lost 13 pounds of fat. My skin was better. I got better looking. <laughs> my sleep improved. My productivity soared. I started attracting you know, a higher caliber of friend and romantic partner into my life. And then that, just, that was really the trigger for you know, long-term health, I guess. My biggest fear was that I wouldn't be able to socialize without drinking because it's a big sure. social crutch, right? And a lot of people we're always concerned like, oh, how am I going to go out and have fun if I'm not drinking? Everyone else is drinking. Well, the answer is you just go out and you, you learn new social skills and you end up having more fun than the people who are drinking. That's been my experience. So I teach that in the program, like the 30-day uh, no alcohol challenge, where I teach like things that you say to friends when they're encouraging you to have a drink or how to go into a bar or a restaurant and be the, the life of the party. Uh, even if you're the only one not drinking. And, you know, people who've gone through that, I've had thousands of people around the world go do the program now, they're all like, they're all actually amazed at like how simple and how easy it actually is. Just going back to the point I was making five minutes ago when we were talking about the 47-day habit hacker, things are pretty easy. Like life is actually, is, is very simple, you know? And maybe, maybe easy is the wrong word. I mean, it's simple. Sometimes it's not easy, but it is simple. And if you can train your mind or train your skills to the point where you can walk into any environment, whether people are drinking or not drinking, and you can just sip on soda water or water or some kind of healthy drink, and then you leave the party two hours later and everybody knows your name and everybody wants to connect with you and 
people are going, wow, that guy was cool, then you've made it. Like that's the golden ticket. Because if you're not drinking, then you're thinking clearly. You're more productive, which means you're making more money. And if you're making more money, you're happier. And if you're happier, you're getting better relationships. And if you're getting better relationships, you're happier. And if you're happier, you make more money. And it's just this spiral effect. You know, I was, I've was i been very fortunate in my capacity as a journalist to be able to interview some of the world's most famous, most successful people, whether it be George Clooney, John Bon Jovi, the former vice president, Al Gore. When I was hosting SportsCenter on ESPN, I interviewed Tom Brady and David Beckham, Kobe Bryant. Uh, all of these people who were just, you know, top of their game, amazing, incredibly successful. And when I interviewed them, I always asked them, you know, what's, what's your number one habit? Like, what are the habits that have got you to lead a, a, a successful life in your field? And so I ended up compiling all of those habits and experimenting with them myself. And then I put them into this program, the 47-day the uh, Habit Hacker program. And, you know, some of them are really simple, Jared, like before you go to sleep each night, get your exercise clothes out and put it at the, uh, the foot of your bed. So when you wake up in the morning, you have the visual cue of seeing your workout clothes. And so you instinctively put them on and therefore your chances of actually going out and exercising increase like tenfold. <laughs> right. Just that simple little habit can, can help you lose weight. Like if you just, instead of going to bed and then waking up in the morning and organizing your exercise clothes, you organize your exercise clothes before you go to sleep so when you wake up in the morning, when your willpower is low, you see the clothes, you put them on, you go and exercise. I mean, it sounds so ridiculously simple, but it's so incredibly effective in getting you to, you know, stay regular with, you know, with your health habits. Look, everyone should have a vision of where they're wanting to go, right? Like you have the goal, you set it forth, you write it down. But then the problem that most people run into is they think too far ahead. They go, oh, that's going to take me five years, and then they don't even start. So the way to start is to just do one small, simple thing that will move you forward. That's it, just one tiny thing. And you ask yourself, what can I do right now in this moment to move forward? Now, the way to get you to do that, I found, is I like to assign a penalty around if I don't do that action. For example, I might write in my Facebook post or I'll say to a friend, hey, listen, if I don't get this thing done by Thursday at 3.17 p.m., I'm going to pay you $500. And the guy goes, okay, cool. And you write a little contract. So now, because I have that threat of having to pay a $500 penalty, I sure as hell take the action. <laughs> right. So I've created the deadline. So uh, likewise, other people seem to respond well to reward. Because, because humans are either running away from pain or trying to avoid pain or they're running towards reward. So another thing you could do is like if or when I complete that task on Thursday at 3.17 p.m. And you notice that I, I make the time a bit weird, like 3.17, because I, I want it to stick in my brain. Like if I say Thursday afternoon, well, that could mean anything, right? So I put a specific date, a specific unusual time there. Um, I say if and when I accomplish that, then I'll buy that trip to New York I was planning on, or then I'll... I'll reward myself with whatever, buying myself an ice cream or I'll reward myself with um, finally, you know, buying an, a, a new shirt or whatever it is that you like. Like just determine whatever is your motivation, whether it's avoiding pain or receiving reward and then use that as motivation to take the smallest amount of action to get the ball rolling. Some studies say that it reduces your IQ level while you're multitasking by about 10 points. And they say that for men, it could even reduce it by as much as 15 points. So the idea is 
you go back to an eighth grade reasoning level by, <laughs> by multitasking. I guess there's two options that we could do on that. We could either push back on it and go, man, I'm, I'm great at multitasking. I'm not going to buy into this. Or we could use it for research and testing it on our, in our own lives. I always tell people we've got, to be, we've got to be in the lab of our own lives. We've got to put on the white coat and the goggles with anything and say, look, I'm just testing. Yep. Failure, let's test it. Perceived failure, let's test it. Multitasking, people are saying it's not a real thing. We can't do it. Let's test it. You know, I don't own a television. I, my, I've designed my living room that, uh, to look towards a, a bookshelf filled with books. So I'm actually record uh, as I'm talking to you now. I'm in my living room. I'm I'm, at a, I'm on a stand up desk, a, a treadmill desk, which I walk about five miles a day on. As I'm oh, working. that's awesome. I'm not on it right now because the noise of it will will disrupt our interview. But I'm standing up on it. But I've designed my living room to when I sit down on the sofa, the first thing I see is a bookshelf filled with books. And so the visual cue, I instinctively reach over, grab the book, and I start reading. Versus what 99% of American households do, which is they sit down in the living room and the living room faces a television screen. They reach over, they grab the remote control and they turn the television on and watch five or six hours of TV a day. So right. little things like that can add up to big gains in all areas of your life. And those are all on the website on that 47, uh, yeah, 47, 47 Day Habit Hacker. Yeah, 47-Day Habit Hacker, yeah. Or you can go to jameswanick.com and you can learn more about it, yeah. Yeah, well, look, I mean, a lot of guys will, will drink alcohol late at night, you know. Unfortunately, if you're doing that three hours before you're due to sleep, then your sleep is going to be affected during the night because you're going to spend less time in that deep REM sleep. And the deep REM sleep is the restorative sleep. It's the sleep that refreshes your brain, that puts your hormones in check, that allows you to burn fat, that allows your muscles to grow during the night with rest and recuperation. So if you're drinking alcohol in the last three hours before you go to sleep, that means your body's having to work to, to break down the alcohol, and it means that you're not going into that deep restorative sleep. So best thing you can do if you are going to drink is don't do it three hours before, before bedtime. The other thing is, is that they did this study in the UK that showed that people who drink and then sleep woke up with about 47% more wrinkles or noticeable wrinkles on their face. So if you don't want to get good looking or you want to stay, you know... <laughs> not as attractive as you could look, <laughs> then sure, go and knock back a few beers before you go to sleep or have a glass of wine to get, make you sleepy before you go to bed. That's fine. But just know that when you wake up and you just feel a little bit irritable and you've got a, just a little bit of bags under your eyes and those, those crow's feet are starting to get just a little bit more prominent and those wrinkles are starting to just pop out a little bit more, just... You know, just say to yourself, was the drink that I had last night or the drinks I had last night, was it really worth it? I'm not saying that you should stop drinking sure. forever. Like, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying maybe give it up for 30 days so you can get a glimpse of what it feels like when you go alcohol-free. And then after 30 days, go back to drinking if you want. It's fine. But most people who take my 30-day no-alcohol challenge program, they will, they'll quit for 30 days and then they'll go back to drinking. But they'll do it in such... A limited way compared to what their drinking lifestyle from when they when they started the challenge. So instead of them like relying on alcohol to get them through a day, or relying on it to get to you know as a social lubricant, 
now they're just drinking on on rare occasions or you know some people stay quit other people you know cut their drinking consumption in half other people you know cut back just a little bit but only good things can come if you reduce your alcohol intake so you don't need to quit you don't need to quit forever but i would encourage you to quit for 30 days just to see what it's like and then you can make a decision after that there's too much light at night. I mean, during the daytime, it's okay because in actual fact, our bodies want to know that it's daytime. So being exposed to the sun, for example, the sun is the biggest emitter of blue light there is. Um, that's okay. But at nighttime, when our body's supposed to be in darkness, when we're supposed to be naturally creating melatonin that makes us sleepy and makes us fall asleep, this blue light that's staring at you from your cell phone and your computer screen and your, and your bathroom light and your kitchen light, it's preventing your body from naturally creating melatonin, which is preventing you from getting the best night's sleep that you possibly can. Single-handedly, the best thing you can do to block blue light is to sit in the dark. <laughs> that's it, really. Like, <laughs> it's to literally, right. as soon as the sun goes down, don't go outside, sit in your room with the, with the lights off, maybe light a candle, and that's it right? That's the best thing to do. But right. let's face it, we're not going to do that, right? We live in 2016 sure. as we're recording this. No one's going to do that. So what is the next best thing? Well, the next best thing is download Flux, put Night Shift on your iPhone, and wear a, pl- a pair of blue light blocking glasses. Now, I've created a pair called Swannies uh, from my company, my sleep company, Swanix Sleep. I used to wear uh, those big, ugly orange safety goggles. Um, oh, yeah, me too. But the problem was is that they were so unsightly that I didn't want to wear them that often because I was embarrassed to wear them in front of the company of friends. For those who don't know or maybe hearing this for the first time, how are they actually blocking blue light? What technology are you using there on the lenses to help with that? Yeah, well, the color orange is the exact exact opposite color of blue. So an orange lens will, will always block that blue light. Of course, some lenses are better than others. So we've made sure that our lenses blocks the, uh, the amount of blue light wavelength that, uh, that's directly responsible for messing with your melatonin levels. One last thing that I want to get to as we wrap up here, the strangest secret, you mentioned that a few weeks ago, and we don't have time today to go through some of the notes that I took, but you inspired me to go back and listen. Uh, well, I hadn't read it. That was the thing. I'd, I'd never read the book. I had it on like, I had it saved as one of my audible wish list things or whatever, but I went and downloaded it. It was actually a revised version where Earl Nightingale is actually speaking. Yeah. And he revised some of the notes and commentary in there and gave some more feeling and and reason behind it. But one of the things that I wanted to share with you guys as we wrap up here this morning is just this uh, idea of five traits of mentally healthy people. And I thought that'd be a good thing to leave you guys with. And I'll I'll probably cover it more whenever I go through the notes on The Strangest Secret. But I encourage you guys to get that book for sure. So number one is there's a wide variety of sources of gratification. Talking about gratification last week, right? Yep. If your only interest out there is your job, or if your only friend is a single friend, those things are not going to last forever. Yeah. And if you have a bad week or a bad day at work, if you got nothing else to pour your heart into. There's nothing to fall back on when things don't work out. Yeah. So let's have many things going on. There's a wide variety of sources of mentally healthy people. Number two is flexibility under stress, though that's a very broad statement, but rolling with the punches, he says, is one of the keys that most mentally healthy people have locked in 
feelings, emotions that we just talked about. They don't let them bother them a lot. They're resilient and they keep rolling with it, okay? Number three is recognition and acceptance of limitations and assets. We've got to be real with ourselves when we're in over our head on certain things or our assets are not there in the same way that they should be to take on certain things. That way we never get in over our head. We don't get too far ahead of ourselves as business owners. We are controlled, we are systematized, and we have a real feeling of what our limitations and assets are. We ask for help when we need it. We outsource. Outsource, we delegate, ask for help when we need it. We're not prideful. Mentally strong people know that. Uh, And then number four, you treat people as individuals. I've got a piece of paper here on my desk from Rusty Lion Academy. Uh, Robert Mallon and Bill Watkins over at the Rusty Lion Academy. They're life coaches, business coaches, but I've got a printout here from one of their newsletters, and it's talking about uh, basically just two types of leaders in the workforce. One type of leader is just ruthless. I think they describe it where you your bottom, bottom line is the most important thing, but you do it at the cost of relationships. Employees. People are not really people. People yeah. are just assets or commodities that you can move and shift and whatever you need to do. So we treat people as as individuals, mentally healthy people understand and care about others' feelings while keeping the bottom line intact is what they would go on to say in that in that article. And then the last one here that I'll wrap up with is they keep active and productive. They don't feel driven to prove themselves. That's that promotion focus, right? They don't feel driven to prove themselves to everyone else. If they're chosen as a leader, it's because they did the things that were required to put them in that leader's chair mm-hmm from just a pure motivation standpoint of getting good things done, not because they tried and tried and tried and tried and tried to catch someone's eye. They look really good. They put on a show. They get put in the leader's chair, and then they fail miserably, which we've seen some CEOs out there do before. They knew somebody or they knew of somebody. They impressed them somehow. They became CEO. All of a sudden, profits are going through the floor. They don't know how to save it, and they would come back and admit, hey, I I wasn't the leader for that job, and I didn't recognize it. You know. So, guys, we hope you go out and have a great week this week. And, uh, again, 2.30 p.m. Central Standard Time today, Michael McGreevy will be right here in this office, uh, coach from Buffalo, New York. Uh, he also has a group called Fathers, Husbands, and Leaders on Facebook. Great, great guy, and I look forward to bringing his message of success starts at home and creating a bigger vision for yourself out there and sharing his story. If you guys have any questions or thoughts for us, email us info at success101podcast.com or catch us in the world of social media on Facebook and Instagram for me at success101podcast on Twitter at Warren Jared and Jordan, you're over on Facebook and LinkedIn as well. Yep, I'm, I'm back on the Instagram train too. Oh yeah, what is your... what is your My handle? Yeah. The Duke of Earls. Wouldn't ask for anything less from you, man. The Duke of Earls. Yeah, I I should have known that because we're connected there. So I've seen it come through. But uh, Duke of Earls over on Instagram. Go check him out. We'll be sharing everything here in show notes over on the blog, success101podcast.com forward slash blog. Go out and get your Organifi green juice, success101podcast.com forward slash green juice and promo code success101, all lowercase. Can't stress that enough. And I hope you guys have an incredible week. Go rock it out. Awesome. Thanks, guys. 